welcome to the Clutch Tennis Podcast, the podcast that will change your life. We're here this week with my favourite week of the year, the Australian Open Week 1. Um, we're joined full house this week by Luke and Jack, so everyone with us. So hello guys, how are we doing? Hello, good, thank you. How are you? I I mean, I, I am good. Um, how are we, Jack? How are we? Are we there? Hi. Yes, I forgot to unmute. Good morning to you, Charlie. Good evening to you, Luke. Hope you are both well. Yep. Um, my raspy voice is because I've been awake for approximately six minutes. <laughs> so, as ever, super prepared and ready to go for this podcast. Um, anyway... I had already done my preparation for this and I've already placed my own bet for for my round one. As it is, I'm ready to go. I'm going to the Australian Open this year. I'm pumped as. So anyway, recap from from the last week. Last week, obviously, was the the ATP Auckland and the ATP Adelaide 2 events um, with some unusual titleists coming out but we often expect that in the week running up to running up to the slams as some of the big names don't necessarily want to let their bodies go but I think we were surprised with the way the finals went um, Cam Norrie losing in three sets to Richard Gasquet uh, the veteran Frenchman and um, over in Adelaide uh, we had Bautista Agu losing out to uh, Sunwu Kwon in a third set tiebreak. So very well done to Quan there, picking up a, a really impressive title. One of the only players ever to do so as a lucky loser. Um, we did have a podcast last week because we've been pretty good and on it so far. Um, so Luke, if you happen to have a recap, we'll get cracking with that. Um, and then we can go through and have a bit of a discussion about what we think might happen for the Australian Open. Yeah, sure. Um, so... Last week, um, in terms of the accumulator, mine was successful, although one of the legs was void because um, <clears throat> Jerome's opponents withdrew. Um, so it had uh, Ben Shelton and uh, Davidovich Fakina plus 3.5 games. Um, so small profit there at 1.65 units. Um, Charlie's Acker, which had Evans, uh, Jerome as well, who's void, Nakashima and Draper lost. Um, and then we also tweeted out an Acker in midweek, which also featured some matches from Aussie Open qualifying, which has been going on this week. Um, but that sadly lost as well. So that's another unit down the drain. Um, in terms of our outrights, um, Charlie had uh, Bautista Gu well, over I'm, in Adelaide. Um, Hello. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, you know what they say about accumulators is that the more picks that you put out that are that are wrong, it's it's character building. So my character's huge because I think I've picked like two correctly in all of the accumulators so far this year. Yeah, well, I'm I'm hoping you're you're kind of peaking for the Aussie Open, like like many of the players. You kind of don't think to do it as tipsters, but if that's your strategy, then then fair play to you. Um, so o- overall, for picks for our accumulators, we were six and four. So not ideal. Um, in terms of outrights, as I was saying, uh, Batista Group got to the final in, in Adelaide. Um, so eight to one, that's some small each way profit there, um, 1.5 units. 
Um, then our other picks sadly lost. We had Kachanov, Umber, uh, Bublik. And then we had Norrie, who did get to the final, but um, me and Charlie both went for him outright, no each way. So that's, that's a unit loss. Um, so overall for, for the week, we are down 2.85 units. So a small loss, which is not disastrous, but not great. And then finally, our tips and passes. Um, I had to change mine because um, because Duron's opponent withdrew. I think it was Martinez. Um, so I changed mine to Ben Shelton, minus 3.5 games against Byers, which won. Um, so that takes me to 2-0 for the year. Uh, and Charlie's was Evans, I think, minus 2.5 games against McDonald, uh, which lost. So that takes Charlie to 0-2 for the year. So a lot of work to be done there for Charlie. I don't like to think of it as work. I like to think of it as personal development, improvement, um, working on a craft. Is, is it ever really work? But yeah, anyway. Yep, lots to be done for me. Uh, so this week, as I said, first week of the Australian Open. This is the one week of the year, I'm pretty sure, where we can say absolutely every single person out there is there to win. Even a lot of these kind of diehard clay quarters, they're not just there for the paycheck this week. They kind of want to find their feet a little bit so that they can at least get some momentum going for the year. That's why I love the Australian Open so much. And that's why I think that it's it's such a, a good punter's event, really. There's always going to be the chance to make money here. And I think we, we've historically done, sorry, historically done very well here. Um, now, talking about conditions, I'll hand over to you, Jack, for this one in a moment because... You're our, our resident ball expert, hashtag ball fondler. Um, the conditions are typically very fast over in Australia. Um, we're playing in an Australian summertime. Uh, so down in Melbourne, it's not quite as hot as it is up in, in sort of Brisbane, Cairns, that kind of places. But but you're still going to hit 30s mo- most days of the week. Um, and it's uh, it, it therefore plays very quick when you have these uh, slick acrylic courts that absorb the heat. So the on-court temperature ends up being about 20% hotter than what it actually is outside. So if we're saying that it's 30 degrees out there, you're probably looking at about 36, 37 for on-court temperature there. That means that those players who are not accustomed to playing in the heat, and it might be their first time down in Australia, best of five sets, pretty challenging to get used to. Um, Those players who, who love the heat, love those fast conditions, Absolutely love it down here in in Melbourne, Australia. Um, Now, we were discussing on our our little private group chat a bit about kind of the, as I say, the court surface, the balls. So, so Jack, you had something interesting that you wanted to say about this, I think. Yeah. um, So, I think, I I can't remember how how long, actually. Uh, Not too long, only a couple of years. They've been using Dunlop balls, um, which are very light. Rafa was saying, Luke sent me this actually, so I, I won't take the credit. Rafa said he was struggling, basically, and that's because because they're so light, they don't really bounce, which won't suit him. It means you can take, especially if you're right-handed, you can take his back, you can take a backhand from his heavy spin a lot easier. Um, basically, it's not good for people to hit heavy top spin because the balls are so light um, and they fluff up so quickly does mean that we'll maybe see more breaks of serve than we're used to when they fluff up there it obviously becomes quite hard to get real real pace um on serve but um i think it also means a lot of the, the 
big hitters have been saying they've been found it quite hard to actually miss. Um, which straight to my mind, I was thinking players, Chilich, um, we said guys like Ivashka who just hit not just a flat ball as hard as they can every time. Guys like that might have a chance of, of doing well here. Um, and then also on the other hand, guys like Djokovic, Kekmanovic, players like that who aren't so aggressive but hit a very flat ball and will probably get a bit more luck with penetration through the court. Um, but yeah, basically good for those types of players, bad for the players with a lot of top spin, Rafa, probably Casper Ruud as well, someone like that. Yeah, and that, that's really interesting to think um, that obviously it's going to favour the kind of bigger hitters um, because normally on these on these super fast surfaces, for them it's a little bit slapdash. It's a little bit kind of um, hidden hope because the ball's on them so quickly that they haven't got the time to make these massive cuts um, and therefore it has traditionally favoured. And I know Djokovic is going to be a master of all surfaces, but it, it's favoured those who who move very well and those who, who can kind of manipulate uh, the ball at pace, if that makes sense, so a bit more like those counter-puncher types. I'm not saying that's probably not going to favour counter-punchers now, but it's it sounds as if it might favour the bigger servers and, and just outright first strikers. Is that... Yeah, yeah. So especially when the balls are new, I think that those big guys will get full benefit, presuming they have good serves. Um they do slow down a lot as they get older in terms of serve. So, yeah, I, I think it's easy to say they're really going to suit Djokovic because I think you play tennis with a bowling ball and Djokovic could still beat guys outside the top 100. Um, but like someone like him, it's perfect because he can control the ball well. He doesn't hit too much spin, so his shot won't really be nullified. Nullified? Nullified, can't speak. Um, but as the ball gets older, he'll just be able to return. He'll have so much time on return that I think he can expect to break a lot of the time. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. I fully understand that. And I, I think I agree with what you're saying there as well. Um, so that that's a really interesting thing to consider. Uh, and I think as much as I never really like guys who, who don't have a reliable serve on a on a fast court, especially not in, in these kind of conditions... Because uh, having that serve means that you don't have to grind out in 35 degree heat all day as well. Um, but I think even more so, it's just going to say, like, just avoid those guys who who notoriously have one or two breaks every set. Um, because it's, it's just going to be so tough for them. Um, and that actually kind of brings me on. So normally now what we do is we'll discuss just a few matches, a few notable kind of players who we think might might outshine what they would normally do or have a really good or really bad event um, or some some interesting round ones. Now, one round one that jumped out at me and it's one that I can't bet on for, for the reason of that I don't know who one of the players in the match is, which is very rare for me to say. It's uh, Diego Schwartzman against Oleksandr Kritik. Now, I've never heard of, of Kritik um, or Kritki. I'm not sure even sure how you pronounce it. Uh, but I've definitely heard of Diego Schwartzman. Now, Schwartzman is that exact type that I was talking about, that kind of generally will use a lot of sort of RPMs on the ball, lots of control and court craft to, to win. More often has success on, on clay courts, but he's not just a clay quarter. He is good on hard too. Uh, but this sort of fast pace is normally too much for him. His serve will get eaten up. And um, the reason why 
he is one to two favourite here. Um, the reason why I came up with a rule that is I never bet against anyone that I don't know is because the last time I did that was in a challenger event in Italy, and the player I didn't know turned out to be Yannick Sinner, um, who then was the reason I lost four consecutive bets in a row. Um, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. We live and we learn. Um, but I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts and feelings kind of about why well, if either of you happen to know who the hell this player is. Um, or secondly, kind of what you think, like you've just said, Jack, how it would suit the likes of Schwartzman, Correa, or all of these guys who just, uh, Evans perhaps, these guys who just don't really have a... Uh, yeah, I actually looked into this because I hadn't heard of the guy either. Um, I think this could, I think he could win. Uh, from what I've read and a combination of combination of the surface, Schwartzman won't be suited at all. Um, he's quite a flat hitter. He's got a very like solid backhand. From I watched a few clips, um, and he just seems to have periods where he's like a little bit unplayable, which I don't think is a bad thing on this surface. So, could be one of those where Schwartzman, a little bit like Nadal Draper, actually the the better player could sneak through on just pure mental toughness and experience. But the conditions definitely look like they suit one guy over the other, and it's the underdog in in this situation. Yeah, I um I can't say I've ever heard of Critic either. Um but I I did kind of see why Schwartzman only wanted to against um this guy. But yeah, I mean I I I I didn't look at that match any further simply because I I don't know who one of them is. And Schwartzman's coming in the back off the back of a really bad year by his standards in twenty twenty two. A lot of a lot of lackluster results and performances that I've seen. Um and I don't know if he's actually. I think he lost his first match in Auckland uh, last week, um, so no idea where he's going to be at. Um, so yeah, an avoid for me. Yeah, and it, it sounds probably like we've all all taken the same approach there because I initially was uh, taken aback when I looked at those odds, and I was like, "What one to two for for Schwartzman to beat somebody who I've not really even seen on the challenger circuit that often?" Um, but then I. I kind of just thought to myself, I was like, look, there's a, there's a reason. There's a reason it is what it is. Um, and, and evidently, therefore, I never like it when the the person you think should be heavy favourite isn't uh, for reasons that you don't understand. It normally screams red flag. Um, okay, moving on. So I think what's probably easiest to do now, that was just the one thing that I wanted to discuss. Um, Luke, you, you'd suggested perhaps going through going through each quarter and just talking about players' prospects and and who we think might come out of each quarter. Now, I'm happy to kind of lead this, but if you happen to have the the kind of the information to hand, then then I'm I'm willing to let you take the reins here, Luke. God, what am I, what am I doing? Well, I'm, I'm happy to take the reins, to be honest. I have in front of me all the kind of threats that I can see in each in each quarter, I also put out some polls on the on our Twitter account at Serving Up Clutch, um, asking you guys who you think will win the quarter. Um, so I'll just go those now. Um, so quarter one, uh, we had fifty five percent of you think Nadal, eighteen um, percent of you think Medvedev, eighteen percent of you think Herkash, and then nine percent of you click uh, went for other, uh, which could include the likes of uh, TFO, Kachanov. Shapovalov, Korda, and Draper. Um, and then moving, we do 
I'll just go. Th- I'll just rattle them all off now, and then we can discuss after. Um, so quarter two, um, we had Sitsa Pass coming over with sixty percent of votes. We had Auger Aliassime and Nori tied on twenty percent of the votes, um, and then no one selected the other option. But the other, the other names in that quarter are uh, Sinner, Musetti, Corich, uh, and uh, and Van der Zandt as well. Um, quarter if you pick Djokovic he's the clear favourite there you'd think um, 9% of you went for other um, so that could include people like Kyrgios, uh, Kronio Booster, Dimitrov Diminor, Team and Evans um, and the other two options in that poll um, Rublev and Runa both received no votes um, now on to quarter four um, Taylor Frick came out on top there with 43% uh, 29% of you went for other, um, so that could include Berrettini, uh, Battista Gu, Murray, Paul, Schwartzman, uh, Davidovich Fikina, amongst others. Uh, 21% of you went for Kasper Ruud, and 7% of you went for Alex Zverev. Um, so, yeah, should we, should we start with back with quarter one, um, where we have Nadal, Medvedev, Herkaj, others? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always going to be the, the best place to go. Um, so I'm just going to open up straight away and just ask what you think um, Nadal's prospects are. I personally think that he's he's got about as much chance of winning as I do. So I, I would not be going for Nadal 55% or whatever it was. So uh, Yeah, Medvedev for me. Um, don't think he'll win. Um, I think there's a it's tough because there's a lot of demons. I think from last year, obviously didn't play the defeat very well in the final last year. It kind of derailed his year. But um, yeah, conditions suit him. I think. Um, yeah, Medvedev for me is the clear favourite to win this section. Yeah, I I agree with you, Jack. Um, I don't really rate Nadal's chances. Um, it's obviously hard to ever count him out because he's, you know, exceeded expectations um, so many times. But um, from what I've seen since Wimbledon, he's hardly won a match really, um, and he's he's got a very tough draw. Um, Draper round one, which we may may discuss a bit later. Uh, then possibly Nakashima round two. Um, you know, two of the top two of the toughest unseeded players in the draw, in my opinion. Um, then you've got Nishioka, round three, who's playing well at the moment. Uh, then maybe Kachanov or TFO, round four. And then probably Medvedev if he, if he makes the quarters. So there's there's no kind of easy matches um, where he can kind of play his way into the event. I think Draper will be a really tough test for him. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think Medvedev is the, is the clear favourite to to win this quarter, but I wouldn't be stunned someone else like a TFO or a, or a Shapo come out of that quarter as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement. I'm not going to add too much more because um, cause I think Medvedev as well. I think these conditions suit him quite nicely. Big serve, as I said before, very reliable when, when playing at that kind of pace. Um, clear, clear standout name for me. Uh, so quarter two now. Quarter two was the one. 
God, I can't remember. We didn't quarter two. Luke, so, you you remind us. <clears throat> so quarter two had um, the the main three names I see in this quarter anyway um, are Sitsipas, Oja Aliasim, and Nori. Um, there's, there's also Sinner as well. Um, but I'll, if I'll just kick off with my thoughts, I think I, I agree with the with the poll results. I think Sitsipas um, is the favourite here. Um, coming into the event with good form, I'm pretty sure he was unbeaten. Um, at the United Cup, made the semis in the in the past two um, additions. I think he has he has an outside chance of of winning the event. I think um, Felix could be uh, tough given the way he ended the year and given the level that he produced against Medvedev um, at the Open last year. I think these quick conditions will really suit him. Um, I think Norrie's one to watch in this call. Um, so yeah, sit sit surpass the the favourite for me, um, and yeah, I don't see anyone other than him, Felix. Or, or... yeah, I'll, I'll just jump straight in there and say that I'd said before that um, sit surpass to me probably would be the only guy I think who has a genuine chance of of really beating Djokovic. Um, I kind of retract that a little bit uh, now that I think about Medvedev again and, and just the history that he's had um, with Djokovic. But um, Medvedev's not been his his same usual clinical self in the past kind of, well, basically since Australia last year, actually. Um, so so I still think Sitspas is, is probably the next name to look at. Um, but as you say, I think Norrie, just going off his performances in the United Cup, coming off a final here in Auckland, I think he's he's a dangerous prospect for anyone in this quarter. And um, I don't think he's got the game to beat Djokovic, but definitely someone who can challenge anyone in the world. So Tsitsipas closely followed by Nori for me. Cool. Um, yeah, I th- I'd, I'd, I'd have the four names, I think, could win. Sinner, Djokovic, Djokovic? Sinner, Felix, Tsitsipas, um... And who's on? Sitsipas, Sinner, Felix, and Norrie. I think, yeah, I think any of those four. I probably don't rate Norrie as high as you two. I can't see him beating, if it comes to it, having to beat two of those names that we've mentioned. Um, yeah, I think Sinner could do okay here if he just depends how his body holds up with the old injury problems that he seems to have had over the last six months or so. Uh, Sitsipas, yeah, for me, just so consistent in this tournament, actually, and had some really, really big wins. Um over time, so he's the clear favourite for me. Um, I think it's pretty tight after that. Um, You're just going to say you you think that Sinner's going to going to win his round one against against Carl Edmund, the best player in the world. That's bold. It's a great warm up for Sinner. Gives him time to get used to his conditions against a, an opponent who probably won't push him. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think we should rule Sinner out. I wouldn't be surprised. I think he has potent- more potential to beat these kind of guys than Norrie. It just sort of depends. Norrie is, is much fitter than Sinner at the moment. But yeah, it's a pass for me if um, I had to put, put one name forward. Okay, cool. Yep, no. So so all of us again agreeing on Sitsipas, pass, but a little bit more of a, a discussion there about the other names. Uh, need we go through quarter three? Um, it's it's Djokovic, is it not? Is that right? Yeah. 
Yep. So yeah. it's it's Djokovic to to win that one hundred percent. I don't see anyone else there. Nick Kyrgios. Is he in that quarter? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it is worth a chat. Um, let's just touch on this whilst we're here. Um, thoughts on the Nick Kyrgios pathway through and what he might be able to do this event. Um, he won't beat Djokovic. Yeah, I, I don't think he's got a, a fantastic draw, to be honest. The lack of preparation isn't ideal, but I think he's he'll be able to overcome that. Safulin's not not the easiest round one, given how well he can he can play in these conditions. Um, then it's a round two. Three four against Holger Rune would be um, pretty good to watch if if we uh, if we get to see that. Obviously, given how well Rune played at the end of last year, um, and I think he could really trouble Kyrgios, um in these conditions. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really see Kyrgios beating. Don't see it. This bottom half of the draw is a lot weaker than the than the top one. Apart from Djokovic, the depth in the top half is a, is a lot deeper. I think. Yeah, I yeah, I agree as well. And normally, what we say is when you're looking for for outrights, possibly the good value is each way on somebody in the in the, the kind of non-favoured player to win half. Now, obviously, that becomes very difficult when you look at the half that's not got Djokovic in because it has got all of those big names, Tiafo, Sidsipas, Nori, Aljurelliassim, Medvedev, like Nadal. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's like, mm. um, normally we'd say pick each way and I still probably would go via that philosophy. But um, that that becomes really difficult, as you say. So good point, Jack. Thank you. Um, yeah, should we move on to quarter four? This could be fun. This could be a bit. Of... Yep, let's do it. Uh, Luke, remind us who's in this one. Um, so in quarter four, we have the likes of Casper um, Ruud, Taylor Fritz, Alex Verev, uh, Matteo Berrettini, uh, Bautista Gu. Murray, Paul, quite quite a few names there that could theoretically come out of that quarter. I think, um, my, I, I think the most likely to come out of that quarter is um, Taylor Fritz. I don't rate Ridge chances at all this event, um, given he doesn't have much form to go off um, from the from the war offense. I know in a slam, I think it will be different. I think he will play better. Um, but from from the sounds of of what the balls are like and what the uh, conditions have been historically, I think um, it will suit him at all. Um, I think it's it's much more suited to someone like Taylor Fritz. I think Berrettini's got a good chance in this quarter as well. Always kind of seems to pull Grand Slam semi-finals out out of nowhere, and I think there's that could happen this time. Really, I did actually look at the the to win quarter market for this quarter. And I quite like Berrettini at five to one, but I did not um, choose it for my wild card as I thought the odds weren't quite high enough for, for a wild card. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm just going to say I, I think Taylor Fritz is a dark horse for the whole event. Um, I think he's deceptively good. I think he's got a game that can challenge the very, very best players in the world, even on the biggest stages. Um, I think he's going to have a great year. I, I really like him. I, I think he'll be my name for, for this quarter. Yeah, Fritz or Berrettini for me. Um, no no one else. I, I actually really like Berrettini's odds. Um, obviously, there's always question marks about fitness. Um, but yeah, always has capabilities of just sneaking through into semi-finals. And I actually really like the odds that Odds up, I can see here five to one for him. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, yeah, Fritz already maybe having regrets that I didn't put him in my top ten for the end of the year. I think Charlie's right to really have a breakout year. Um, but yeah, Rude has also already said I think that he's taken a couple of months off tennis after the Australian Open, which is always an ominous sign. Um, yeah, I can't see him particularly deep. The the only answers for me are. Yeah, uh, Fritz Berrettini. I think my third choice would probably be Goffin, to be honest, to, to find a way to sneak through. He's the, only, he's the next one that I trust after the other two. Fairs, yeah. One one final name to discuss is Alex Zverev is also in that quarter. What what do we think about his his chances? Uh. Yeah, sorry. I, I panicked then a second. I thought I'd accidentally ended this podcast. Um, my phone is, is not playing game with me right now. Uh, yeah, no, Alexander Zverev. Um, I, I think he wins the whole event. So yeah, what more is there to be? You may as well end the podcast now then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think there's a good chance that he loses oh, round two. I was, round one is easy. It's against Variash, I think. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's going to have too many problems coming through that. But uh, he said himself, his fitness isn't where it needs to be. He's not feeling good about his game. His results at the United Cup were god awful. Like I, I, I don't know who he's got round two, round three, but that's where I see his journey ending. Goffin, round two. Yeah, like uh, somebody like Goffin is is more than experienced enough to to know how to to handle uh, an unfit player. So that's probably where it ends. Yeah, I mean, you're just adding to your point about Goffin, actually looking at his draw, the two seeds kind of around him are Zverev and Schwartzman. So maybe maybe a punt on Goffin to to win the court or something wouldn't be a terrible way to... He's got the kind of makeup of a guy as well who... Is cut, who at this stage of his career brings out his best stuff in slams. I think like at Wimbledon he was great. Um, for example, and yeah, I think at this point of his career that's what he's going to prioritise, and he's got the experience and the nows to go that. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, so I think what we'll do now is we'll we'll move on and go through. This is the betting part of our podcast now. If I should add, we're each going to pick a selection of matches that the bookies allow you to combine together in order to make one multi or accumulator. Um, now, this means that the odds get combined together, they get boosted slightly, um, and it requires all the matches that you pick to win for the bet overall to win. Um, now, I'm just going to go in straight away because I've actually placed this myself. Um, so I've actually put this one on already. Uh, so I've got it in front of me. Um, now, 
I was surprised by some of the odds, I will say, um, of just normally the, the lesser known players, to be quite honest with you. Like, it, it did catch me off, off guard, I suppose. Um, I'm just going to open up with, with Benjamin Bonzi to beat, um, I believe it was Bellucci. Um, now, Bellucci is one of those guys, like you've said, who's who's a heavy spin type player. He moves quite well. And traditionally, he's done a little bit better on kind of clay. Um, ben Bonzi's had a very good sort of standout 2022. Um, very good kind of all-round player. Nice big serve. More than capable of holding up on this type of surface. Big forehand as well. Able to dominate points if he's able to get on the front foot. Which against somebody like Bellucci, I believe he will be able to do more often than not. Now, the bookies had this one at two to five. Um I think that's a great price on on Bonzi there. I genuinely do not see him losing this match. I think Bonzi's a dangerous name for most guys out there. Um, and I think he, he fits the conditions a hell of a lot better. So so that's my my value pick of the whole round there. Um, I've gone with uh, Nakashima at one to two to beat the worst player in the world. Um, now, we all know who the worst player in the world is, but... Just for those who don't, that's the American, Mackenzie McDonald. Um, Mr. No Weapons, Mr. Can't Serve. Um, I, I think Nakashima will will do quite well. Although Nakashima is a very steady player from the back of the court, um, the majority of his shots do come in quite low RPMs, um, and he's typically what I would define more as a counterpuncher. Now, I've historically quite liked his type on this type of court. Um, I don't like his form that much. But um, but but I really do think that he will he'll come out here and, and beat Mackenzie McDonald. Uh, McDonald does not have the weaponry to hurt him. Does not have the serve. Um, I've gone with um, I don't love this pick actually, but I've gone with one to four on Rublev to beat Tim. Uh, the reason I've gone for that is Tim is not the the player that he once was. Um, yes, he's capable of beating just about anyone. But I think even in his heyday, when he was at his absolute best, we used to look at team and say he will not win matches against the best players on this type of court. It is too fast for him. And uh, his big, big wind-ups on all of his shots, they just get blown out the water by these better guys. And Rublev is who's definitely going to take it to him. Rublev is a very aggressive player, hits big off both wings. Sometimes it's a little bit too big, a little bit too slapdash, but he's going to hurt team. And I think... I just don't really see that. It was more of a gut feel for me, that one. Um, I've gone with Rusev Wari uh, to to beat Max Purcell, the Australian. I don't love going against an Australian in Australia, but Max Purcell is is absolute garbage. Like, stick to doubles, mate. Like, you're, you've got no serve. You've got no forehand. You've got no backhand. Um, you have nothing to hurt anybody. And Rusev Wari is kind of similar but at least he can hit through you if needs be he's going to do that fracture more with the ball whilst remaining consistent and solid can i just interject could, to yeah. say that i wanted to pick this match i've left it out you, you wanted to pick it why didn't you i i don't i just don't want to watch that match i don't yeah. <laughs> that is totally valid both sides i don't want to bloody watch this one so but yeah, I, I I do agree. Yeah, um, I, I think he wins. But it, yeah, it's not a spectator sport that it's going to be ugly. It's going to be drawn out. I think don't panic if Rusevori loses a set, potentially the first set. 
I think consistency will prevail. Um, and then last pick of this fivefold, I've gone with Maxime Cressy to beat Albert Ramash Vinoash. I can just see a pattern of play emerging with this one where Ramash Vinoash slides in these uh, these first and second serves at kind of moderate pace. Cressy slaps them away all day long, um, misses 99% of his returns, but eventually makes three in a row and wins. Um, I do not see Ramash Vinoash hurting Cressy all that much, to be honest with you. Um, Cressy serves should be able to get him through, if nothing else here. I think the court pace um, and what you said about the balls, Jack, should favour somebody who's an outright serve volley uh, and very aggressive on return games. So I think I think it's one of the few times where I'll take him at one to three here. Um, now that fivefold of Nakashima, Rublev, Rusavori, Cressy and Bonzi all come in at 3.74 to one. Nice. Um, shall I go now? Yeah, go for it. Yep, take, take it away. Yeah, I mean, just, just commenting on yours briefly, I, I I like the majority of what you've said. We overlap on a couple of picks. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the Cressy one, but I kind of consider it. But I, I just can't bet on or against that man ever again in my So, you know, take take that at your own peril is what I'd add there. Um I've now I'll, I'll get to mine. I've also taken Nakashima to beat, say the worst player in the world. Um, I got four to seven on on my bookies. Um, as you say, kind of similar game styles. They're both quite uh, consistent players, good defensively. Uh, but Nakashima is significantly better on the front foot. I'd say say there's not there's no comparison on that front, um, which is which is very important in these fast conditions. You've got to be able to. Um, you know, put the ball away. Um, and a significantly better serve as well, which always um, serves itself well um, on these these quick conditions. Um, and I think four to seven is quite a generous price there. Um, yeah. Um, I've got Jason Kubler to beat Seb Byers at four to 11 against the, the worst hardcore player in the world. Byers lost again last week. Um Kibler, on the other hand, beat Evans a few weeks ago. Um, and these can do sh- these suit him far better than they do buyers. Kubler actually is forehand. Um, but he's also quite consistent, can serve as well. Um cannot serve, doesn't really have any weapons. Um, and I think he'd just be just waiting for the clay swing to to come around where he can rack up some some wins and some ranking points. Um now, I'm going against one of my principles, which is to never bet against Jan and Struff, um, but I am taking Tommy Paul to beat Struff at two to five. Um, I much prefer Struff on, on natural surfaces, so so clay and, and grass. I think outdoor hard is actually his worst surface, despite the quick conditions having their, their merits for him um, regarding his serve in particular. Um, but I've been really impressed with Paul at the start of this year. It looks like he's returning... Um, and moving well um, and his serve uh, looked like it was holding up well uh, too um, I think it should hold hold up well against someone who is an inconsistent return at the best of times um, Straff definitely has the potential to, to nick a set and force a few tie breaks but um, I really would be surprised if Paul lost this 
and I think two to five is a, is a decent price there. Um, next up, I've got uh, Marc-Andrea Hlesler to beat John Milman at eight to 11. Um, really not impressed with what I've seen from Milman last week um, against David Fakina. He just simply wasn't able to deal with, with his power and kind of do anything to kind of put him off his game or make him miss. Um, and I just think the same will happen here. Um, he wasn't moving as well as he did in the past. Um, although maybe take that with a pinch of salt, as I know he did have quite a long match the day before. Uh, and when he did have the chance to kind of put pressure on David Ochfakina, um, he kept missing. Um, and if you look at his results, he's, he's been struggling ATP level for for a while now. Huesler, um, probably not a name familiar to, to a lot of you. Um, very aggressive game style. Um, comes into the net a lot, um, which is a is an effective way to play on on quick surfaces. Has a big serve. Um, won his first title last year indoors, so fairly similar conditions to this. Uh, beating Holger Rune in the final, um, and he absolutely destroyed Yannick Sinner in Paris. Um, so I think this year he's really going to thrive on these quicker surfaces. I think he he could have um, a decent week. I'm aware of going against a, an Aussie in Australia. And Milner might turn up um, in his home slam, but I just think over five sets, Wesler um, is going to have too much quality. And I really like that price, uh, eight to 11. Um, and then the final pick of my five fold, um, the beat team at three to 10. Um, team hasn't played much this year, just one match, which is a straight sets loss to Quan. Um, and as you said, Charlie, he's, he's never really done well on, on these quick courts um, throughout his career. He did make the Aussie Open final one year, but the conditions were, were much slower than I think we'll see this year. Um, and I think we're going to see the best of team this year on the slower surfaces um, and not on something as quick as this. Um, Riblev not in opening rounds in Adelaide. Um, but he has a lot of experience now at Grand Slam level. Um, and I think he's far better suited to these fast conditions than team. Um, he's had success in places like Dubai and, and Rotterdam, which uh, which are very quick. Um, he has a best serve. And I think um, off both wings, he's not going to give team any time. Um, so I'll just run through that fivefold. Got Nakashima to beat McDonald at four to seven. Got Kubler to beat Byers at four to 11. Got Paul to beat Struff at two to five. Got Huesler to beat Milman at eight to 11. And Riblev to beat team at three to 10. And that fivefold comes in at even four to one. And I'll just add that my tipsy pass um, is going to be Huesler to beat Milman, just money line. Yeah, I mean, I, I forgot my tips pass. Just going to throw that in there now as well and just say that um, I'm not 100% sure what the handicap on it was, uh, but I'll be taking whatever the Bonzi handicap is against Bellucci. Um, I like what you've said there, Luke. Just going to say that as well. Um, I didn't personally take the Tommy Paul one uh, for exactly the reason you said, um, is that his, his opposition number is somebody that I am not betting against um, because I just don't like doing it. Um, but I, I like most of what you said there. Uh, so last one up now, Jack, if you want to take it away. Sorry. Phone for the moment there. Um, so I've got, I think, two out of my five have been previously mentioned, which is the first one, which is Coops. 
Uh, Coop's fan club. Number one fan here. Um, it's going to win, isn't he? It's got buyers on, on hard. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, he's been pretty consistent, really, for like six months. I mean, he had a challenger tour he ripped up at, at one point, and he was very good at Wimbledon. These conditions are quite good for him. Um, I expect him to break at least a couple of times a set. Um, or a couple of times a set, let's say. You can't break more that often. Um, but yeah, Baez has really struggled. This is a terrible surface for him. Someone who doesn't have much power. Relies a lot on um, spin. Um, yeah, I think Kubler will be fine here. The other one which I share with someone is Ben Bonzi. Um, I don't say anything more than what Charlie said. It's perfect. Perfect analysis. Got great serve. Um, and I like these conditions for him. I think he's pretty good on all services, actually. He's quite untypically French. Um, in that he's just generally quite a solid player. He's quite reliable and consistent at this point in his career. Um, right, I'll start from the top now with my other ones. I've got... You you'll, you'll all hate this. Um, I've gone for Yibing Wu to beat Mute at 4-7. to seven. Um, Just another guy. Dear God, no. That is going to be bloody painful. Yeah, you're right. I do. Um, just think, Wu is, is a better player at this point in time. Um, I'd imagine he's very be very good against lefties. Um, I don't have much, don't have much of a record for him, but he's got a very very solid backhand. Um, he's a very very solid player all round. I think these conditions will play in well for him. He's very good on all hard surfaces. Um, he won something like 15 matches in a row at one point last year on the Challenger Tour. Uh, made the third round of the US Open. I just expect him to kind of carry on that form this year. He's a far better player on the, on this kind of surface than Mute. Obviously, Mute is he's very talented, but I just don't really see how he can produce much on this surface. Um, I've gone for Jeffrey John Wolf at four to seven against Jordan Thompson. Um, another guy who I think. I think the serve will, will be good in these conditions. I, th- I quite like him again on hard. I thought he was quite impressive at the end of the year as well on in the, on the US hard. Thompson in Australia is, is always one in Australia. At home is a potential sticky point, but I just... Wolf's just going to move him about, make him play. Thompson's not got much natural power, which with these balls, I just can't see how he's going to penetrate the court particularly well especially compared to Wolf anyway. Um, and my last one is, uh, I've gone for Maimir Ketmanovic at 1-3 to three against Jarry. Um, I know Jarry qualified, but he was losing in at least two of them. I, I love the Ketmanovic point, uh, the pick, just saying I, I was kind of annoyed I didn't put it in my own, um, my own accumulator. I don't know why I didn't. I think it was just the server Jerry that scared me off. But I, 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 I love that pick. I, I like it too. And I, I also like the wolf pick. If we're interjecting, I, I should have put that. And Thompson is is terrible at tennis. So, yeah, wolf all the. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think um, if we're saying Djokovic is going to suit these conditions perfectly, Djokovic light should also suit these conditions perfectly. Um, yeah, he doesn't. He's not a guy who hits masses of spin. He's not really going to have many problems penetrating the court because he hits quite a flat ball anyway. And I think he'll quite enjoy absorbing Jerry's pace and 
Jerry's one pace, which is hit the ball hard as possible, every ball. Um, and I think he'll get chances to break as well, especially as these balls fluff up later. And later, and as if Jerry gets tired, he's not obviously not had many five-set matches in the last couple of years for a variety of reasons. Um, so those five together are 5.28 to one. Lovely. And do you have a, uh, a tipsy pass? Uh, yes. Second. Um, I thought we'd go for something a bit different this time because my tipsy pass record is terrible. So I thought I'd put it to a, a, a group, see if I could get a unanimous majority on Wolf at minus 2.5 or Kubler at minus 4.5. Kubler. I think. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think Kubler as well. That's what I was going to go with. So let's say Kubler minus 4.5 at 4 to 5. Lovely stuff. Uh, and then that kind of segues nicely now into uh, uh, into the outrights and, and wildcards. Now, I mean, this should already speak for itself, given we've gone through each... Um, each quarter one by one. I'm just going to say, by the way, for, for reference point, uh, Bonzi's handicap was minus 4.5, and that, therefore, is what my, my tips of pass is. Um, yep, so I'm just going to go through mine. I believe I've got six to one on my outright of Medvedev. Um, I would be going each way on this, but um, I, I think he's got a good chance um, of coming out of that top half, that jumble sale of a half there. Um, I think he comes out of that quarter, as we've already spoken about with Nadal got the game to go all the way and he's one of the few players out there who can challenge Djokovic um, and then my uh, my wild card is going to be Sitsipas at 12 to 1 um, again each way I, I just think if we're talking of people who, who've got the game to take it to, to the very best in the world and who potentially could win the whole thing I think Sitsipas is pretty much the only other name that I'm thinking of so, so that's mine to, to kind of round off my selections for this event Yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't mind either of those. Um, I've I've gone for six pass as well, but as my upright, um, I found him at fourteen to one, um, which for me is just way too long. I think he's arguably kind of the second favourite for the event, I'd say. Um, and given that he's he's not in Djokovic's half, I think going each way on that, I think that's a really good price. Um. And if my wild card, I'm torn between two. Um, torn between um, Fritz and Oje Alisin, but I'm going to take Fritz, um, who is 18 to 1, despite him being in Djokovic's half. Um, as we kind of discussed, it's, it's pretty thin. Um, and I think I'd actually make Fritz maybe the second favourite to come out of that half. Um, I think we're all in agreement that he's, he's the favourite to come out of this quarter. So that would put him in a semi against Djokovic. And you never know. Things, something might happen to Djokovic as it's as it has happened in the past. Um, Fritz did push Djokovic here, I think, a few years ago, um, and I think his game's only got better since then. Um, I think eighteen to one is is good odds here, given his draw. So that's he's my wild card. Nice. Yeah. No. I 
for for me, I, I think I can only see four people lifting the trophy. Um, a group of three, Djokovic, Medvedev, sits a pass, and then Fritz just on the outskirts. Um, I'm going to be that boring guy that puts Djokovic as his outright. Um, because why not? Neither of you two have done it, so I'm going to do it. Um, and my wild card is is also Sitsi Pass at 14 to 1. Um, yeah, uh, to be honest, I like both of your shouts, all the shouts for the outrights. Um, but yeah, I just think Sitsi Pass is the most likely to potentially spoil a Djokovic party. Um, he's just got very underrated consistency at this tournament. Um, yeah, and it just seems to be in a slightly better head place to go deep and try and beat in a, a top, top player than Medvedev. What are the odds on Djokovic? Five to six. Wait, for five to six? Five to six, yeah. To win a slam? Yep. You're, you're a pig. I just, I, to be honest, I, th- I think it's about right. I don't think we can really scoff at the odds. I, I understand why they are where they are, but it's both uninspiring and underwhelming. Um, I do not love it. I, I can't say I love it either um, at that price, but I, I, I do think he, he wins the event. Might, might put 100 quid on. <laughs> Eyebrows. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, uh, we, we diverged. Uh, so, I think um, that that kind of rounds off everything that we need to say for this round one. Uh, round one, uh, both round one and week one of this Australian Open. Now, I've said before, I'm going to be in uh, in Melbourne, Australia for uh, for basically the middle weekend and early part of week two. Um, so I'm hopefully going to have some very interesting things to say about about some of the stuff that we've seen and and potentially what it's playing like. You follow our Twitter at Serving Up Clutch. I'll try and put kind of like a as the days go by uh, type frequent posting just to give everyone a bit of a, a feel of what it's like to be on the court and a bit more kind of insight and keeps everything a bit more kind of uh, personal, I think, as well for us. Um, but what I was going to say as well is that hopefully we'll resume for a week two podcast, perhaps, whilst I'm actually down in Melbourne. So I can give you some uh, some insights onto the, the temperature and forecast and all of that. Um and potentially we might even have a a guest star, Mr. Mr. George Dick, perhaps, the the ex-tennis uh, player that we all used to play with, because he will be with me down here in Australia. I'm sure he'll have some so, so great potentially... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure he will have any great insight. But nonetheless, might be nice to have another, another fresh, fuzzy face, eh? Uh, but anyway, I will round off today. So, so thank you very much, both Luke and Jack, for joining me this week for my favourite week of the year. May, may I just ask one thing before we leave? You, are you we, mean... Are, are we going to do the, the challenges we do for the slams? Ah, good, good point. Okay, so before I say thank you one more time, um, yep, we'll do the, the same usual challenges that we've done for all the slams last year. That will be a five-unit challenge where each of us individually have a, a separate Twitter thread where uh, on the Serving Up Cup page where we, we can stake our five units um, and just try and make as much profit across the fortnight as we can individually. Um, that, that, that means we're not doing it for the podcast. It's just a separate challenge uh, to see who wins. You can end up with nothing. You can end up with hundreds. It's, it's, it's that kind of game. 
Um, we will then also do a tips to pass each day. Uh, so each and every day, we're going to pick something that comes in at evens, uh, which again will be published on the Twitter. Uh, and it's whoever wins the most of those out of the fortnight who wins that challenge mm-hmm. too. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we will be doing that. So again, stay tuned on Twitter. That's mm-hmm. the easiest place to find all of this at serving up clutch. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. So, so thank you again, guys. So thanks Luke and Jack. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week, Charlie. Well, well, thank you. I'm about to go and play some cricket for the first time in my life. Um, But yes, perfect. And we will hopefully be back next week for another instalment. All the best.